What's going on, people? Welcome back. Welcome back to Keep It 111. Uh, this is Andy. He's Sanha. And uh, we got another episode full of... It's going to be a lot of things to talk about today. Um, we're going to have some stuff about the college basketball championship, talking about the new champions, Kansas. Also going to talk about the NBA as the regular season is wrapping up, and we know some teams that are in and some teams that are not. And Yikes. we're going to talk a little bit about soccer, a World Cup draw, where the U.S. is, how we assess their chances, and of course, um, some news on the Premier League and Champions League as um, those are also winding down this season. Um, and we're going to finally end off with some baseball because as we know, opening day is tomorrow. Not every team is playing, but uh, we know opening day is tomorrow. So we're going to touch on what we can expect uh, with the new playoff format uh, this year. But that's to come. But Sana, let's first talk about the college basketball championship, which was, oh, man. Well, I, I think, I think since last week, right? Like we had the final four, so maybe we might want to talk briefly about, you know, what we thought about, uh, you know, the, the semifinal matchup and how, you know, that kind of set the table for what we saw on Monday. Yeah, I think. I mean, the tournament has, or this. This tournament was great, like from round one all the way through the final, and that includes that includes the final four. I think both of the both of the games were were pretty good games. Um, obviously, the Duke UNC one was just insane. It was another level of intensity. It being what ended up actually being Coach K's last game, his final game um as a coach and so because of that because of the the implications between duke and unc i believe they were like 50 50 like right smack dab even even actually coming into that game their head to head i think i think it might have been i think it might have been like after the game it was oh so maybe it was like 50 49 duke or something like that and then exactly. it ended, something like right, that. Right, right. So like yeah. there's yeah. there are just like there are just like a million different things, right? Adding to the intensity um, of that game. And it was a really, really close game. And I I I thought whichever team would win the Duke UNC matchup would carry the momentum and win the championship because because of the intensity of the game, right? Because like it's so intense that if you can win that match, you gain so much momentum that like beyond what any other team in the tournament could possibly garner. Um, and so that, that's what I thought. I thought the winner of, I thought that was kind of like the, the real final of, of, of UNC Duke. But um, I mean, obviously it didn't, it didn't end up that way, um, but I, I think it was pretty great. And, and it, was, it was also, Kind of, you could argue, like a passing of the torch between Coach K, the most accomplished. Let's not, okay, maybe, probably Wooden is the most accomplished, but who I consider to be the greatest coach, college basketball coach of all time, passing the torch to this brand new first, first time head coach um, who, in his very first season, 
brought his team, an eight seed, to the final four, a passing of the torch. I, I, I think that game, that game had it all. Yeah, totally agree. I think, um, I think yeah, it's it's the narrative is insane, and I think for a lot of UNC fans, they'll definitely feel that even if they came short in the final game, they definitely got their their money's worth. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Only meeting right UNC Duke in an NCAA tournament. Only meeting ever, coming away with the dub. That also being the last game of Coach K's career, like it, just everything about that game was insane. Crazy. And the way they executed, right, the the game plan, just straightforward. You know, big man just grabs a lot of boards. Yep. And guard score. You know, whoever's got the hotter hand, preferably. And they didn't even need right one of their you know most experienced players in Manic having a big game to come out on top in that one. And so it definitely felt like, you know, UNC was like they came out winning and I thought it was it was a convincing win too. Like they it's not like they had all cylinders firing, right? It's just um they had the enough pieces that were working that night and it was enough. And kudos to them. And um as for the Kansas and Villanova game, right? A lot of threes. Yep. And the funny thing is is that we saw a lot of threes from from both teams, and then you see Kansas going to the fi- into the final game, and for that first half, those threes were nowhere to be seen, and that's when I started to get you know this is you know this is the championship game jitters, right? You know, are they going to be able to step it up in the second half? And my gosh, did they ever, right? And not only that, you know, the second half with the final game. Honestly, like I, I thought Hubert Davis did he, he did an amazing job in the first half, right? Yep. The game plan was perfect. They played to their pace. And then second half they go in and they do the complete opposite of that. The the one thing that you can't do with this Kansas team, right? And everybody was talking about it, is you don't let them play on the don't let them play to the fast break, right? Don't give them too much their transition game a lot of time a lot of opportunities to shine. And that's exactly what they did. I don't know why, you know, UNC started getting, you know, shorter possessions, you know, doing exact opposite of what was like working for them well in the first half. Just, and, and then that's also why, like, you know, I was, I was I was telling you during the game, right? It's like, not only did they catch up the whole 15 point deficit, it's like, I don't know how they did it so quickly. It was well, actually, fast. you know, it, it's, it's pretty clear how they did it so quickly is because. UNC shot themselves in the foot by taking like possessions that were short as hell, and you know you just turn the ball over every single time. Especially if you're breaking them, like that's you know that's a recipe for disaster. And I mean, of course, you know not to take anything away right from you know QB because I think he did a great you know he was he did a great job obviously making it to the championship game. But it I think it's definitely going to be a lesson for him right taking it away um, and. I honestly think you know you if you're a UNC fan, I mean, don't you don't you have to kind of feel you know optimistic that you got you got a competent coach because you probably were thinking you know Roy Williams leaving. I mean, you know, a lot for a lot of college basketball fans, UNC fans, especially the younger ones, 
you can't really remember a time, right, when Roy, when Roy Williams wasn't your coach. Yep. And, you know, to have a new guy step in, it's not the same, right? It's not the same to have, like, an NBA team that you follow get a new coach because, you know, just turnover, especially, you know, with, with the NBA teams, it's, it's, a, it's a different ballpark than, you know, some of these elite programs at the college ball level that have, like, decade-plus, you know, under the same coach. And they become a true face of that, you know, program. So that kind of transition period, I feel, you know, is much more intimidating. And, you know, you're not, you're not really sure what's going to happen, what you, what you can expect from it. But, um, yeah, I think UNC lost a championship. But, honestly, they don't really have that much to feel bad about themselves, you know. They, they have a good coach. They got, they got a lot of, you know, um, of course, they got their money's worth from the semifinal game. So, uh, but all in all, exci- exciting game, exciting game. Exciting game. And, you know, I was thinking about this again. Well, so I was thinking about two different things. So the first thing I was thinking of is, yeah, like all the narratives coming into the game. I, I, didn't, I didn't even see this game as the championship game. It was the Roy Williams Bowl. Because it was literally both coaches are direct successors to Roy Williams in their respective programs. That's kind of crazy, right? That's kind of crazy. Um, That it it kind of also just speaks to the legend that is Roy Williams um, and the programs that he built. Like, it's not just the championships that he won, the teams that he had, but it's the programs that he built at these schools. Um, that have continued to show great success. And, and, I mean, Kansas obviously has continued to show great success after Roy Williams left. And UNC seems to be in also very, very good hands um, with Hubert. So it, it speaks to kind of Roy Williams, both his success while he was at the school, but also his leadership and like being able to establish a system and a very winning program at a school, I think it just kind of adds to his legend. Um, and to me, it was like a big narrative um, of the game. But then the second thing that I was thinking of is, is you, you kind of talked about it, about how Kansas was playing and their play style. And I think so, I was trying to remember how they were playing against Villanova. And it actually, the results were very different, but actually the game plan itself, I don't think was very different. And, and of course it was for a very different reason. So Villanova, they're, they're a much smaller team than UNC. They don't have someone like Baycott, a seven-footer, um, who can... Yeah, Charlie Charles Barkley called them, called, them, called them midgets. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the they, they, really, they really are, though. They really are. And so, so if, you, if you watch the beginning of that game, they really kept going to David McCormack in the post and said, hey, you're bigger than all of these guys. Just dominate them in the post. And, and so... They started the game that way by establishing McCormack in the post, and then that allowed them to open up the perimeter, and then all the all the three started going in, and and they started draining them, and that's how they kind of end up routing right Villanova by the end of the game. Um, so it, when you think about it from that lens, really the the national championship game wasn't that different from that game plan. The game plan seemed very similar to me. It wasn't. It wasn't like super fast paced at the beginning, like you were saying. It was okay. Let's try to establish McCormick back in in the in the post, um, and then hope that that kind of sucks the zone in inward, and so then we can free up our shooters outside on the perimeter, um, and then get get that game going. It, it seemed like 
that was kind of the, the mentality or the strategy to open up the game. But obviously, Villanova did not shoot the three well at the in the first half against Kansas, which led to Kansas kind of running away with the game. But differently, UNC, not only were they able to shoot the ball pretty well in the first half, but they also were putting up much more of a resistance in the post with Baycott, with uh, Manic. Um, and so it wasn't as easy for Kansas to kind of establish that post game and then spread it out um, to the perimeter like they had done in the semifinal. So I think it, it makes sense, like, what they did. Um, it's just, man, I, I still can't believe that UNC blew it. Like, I can't believe they blew a 15-point lead at the half and what could have been really a 20-point lead. Right, right. Um, yeah, and it, obviously, you know, if you have a, if you have a guy like Baycott, you know, that can also kind of do a much better job, like you said, of protecting the rim, that also means, right, like, you know, they need to rely less on help defense to, you know, block the guy like McCormack. And that's, you know, if that's not there, the spacing's not going to be there. And so yeah. I, I, I feel like, I feel like Self, Coach Self probably thought, you know, Baycott's injured. And so he's not going to be as good as he turned out to be. Sure. And so he, it looks like he gambled on that a little bit. And, yep. you know, and, and, and the funny thing is, is Baycott didn't, definitely didn't look 100% when he was running. Yep. But when he got the ball, like, he kind of just looked like, I don't know, like, is this guy injured? I don't really know. Like, I can't tell. Like, he was still getting boards. I mean, he wasn't getting as many boards, right, as, as, as the other game. But... I, I like it, it's it looked like you know they were banking on Baycott putting up a much weaker performance than he actually did and that's probably you know testament and and the thing is like do you put that on coach self for the first half of coming in with that kind of you know gamble probably because like you know that's you can't you can't like bank on too heavily on things like variables like that going your way um you definitely need to have a backup plan of like you know pivot to and playing a full half you know relying on a you know uh, a plan that's not working out is um that's not that's definitely not what you want to see i mean of course you know it, it all turned out fine but that first half um was not a good look at all um definitely came with the wrong game plan i think right yeah i i i think so too and it it kind of goes back to the fact that kansas when they decide to try to play through McCormick, they're not playing to their strengths. Like, I, you know this. I love David McCormick. I, 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 I freaking love the kid because I think he's a beast, um, even though he might not even get drafted. Um, but if you're going to be objective and honest with yourself, he's not the strength of your team. Your guards and then Akbaji is your best player. Um, and, and the way that... The way that you come out swinging in a championship game, in the very last game, is is to not play to your strength. Like that's that's completely bizarre. Like I I cannot understand why you right. would make the decision to not come out playing to your strengths 
in the very last game, like the most important game where where all the marbles are up for grabs. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. And that's exactly what happened in the second half. You know, Remy Martin, God bless his name. <laughs> Remy Martin started hitting threes, right? Yep. As he did, as we know that he was capable of doing, Agbaji started getting more involved, and that's how they got back in the game. Yep. And McCormack was, you know, he was he was still there to, like, you know, contribute, but he wasn't, like you said, you know, the main attraction of that offense. Yep. And um, it, it, I guess credit to Coach, like, he tried to switch it up, but honestly, I still think half of the battle was UNC shooting themselves in the foot by allowing Kansas to, you know, play more on the fast break, shorter possessions. Um, because I think UNC, like, you know, they're, they were, they've been well-suited to, you know, play with longer possessions. And, and the thing is, uh, halfway through the second half, they started trying to play, you know, with, um, you know, I think around like the, you know, around the 10-minute mark towards, you know, to the end of the crunch time, which of course was a disaster. But um, up until that point, the possession started getting longer. They started trying to run more plays, you know, and they were only using, you know, a, a Caleb Love, you know, drive to the basket and try to put up a layup as like a last resort. They were trying to get good looks and slowing the game down. And that's what honestly, you know, and, and because halfway through the second half, right, we both said, look, like UNC, like they were gassed. Freaking like the entire like starting five except RJ Davis is like nursing something right now. Yeah. And and like we don't see them coming back in this game. And the only reason why they were able to, you know, keep it close until the end is because they, you know, they snapped out of it a little bit and said, What the hell are we doing? Like we need to go back to what we were doing before, and that's, you know, longer possessions and try to actually get good looks instead of chucking up these like freaking heat checks from almost logo like Caleb Love. He, he thought he was Steph Curry, I guess, like, you know, at the beginning of the second half after he makes two shots, he's like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull up. And yeah. Um, yeah. I think I, right. Like, you know, both teams, you know, um, weren't definitely weren't playing, you know, to their strengths, like, you know, throughout the entire game, I wouldn't say was the best, you know, game of basketball played. That's for sure. Uh, for both sides and uh, but it was an entertaining affair because I think both teams were equally you know showing their you know uh, showing their flaws I would say yeah I, I think so it, like you're saying it, yeah it, it was not the the highest level of, of competition that that we've ever seen in college college basketball but the story was fun the the game narrative was incredibly entertaining to, oh my lord, to go to halftime like that, and then I think what made it even more entertaining is is the fact that the Jayhawks got back into it so fast after the break. Right. And then you're like, oh my gosh, it's odd. Like, <laughs> like no, you, you, th you thought UNC was toast. I, I would have thought, like, UNC, UNC's toast. I mean, like, this, is, this might even be a blowout on the other side. Like, at this rate, like, they were... They, they were like zero resistance. Yeah, like yeah. turnstile defense. You know, on the open court, like just hot knife like, through no bottom. resistance. Whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And um, the the weirdest thing about this game is that if you look at the stats, you wouldn't believe that the Jayhawks won. All right, 
Free throw percentage, 82% UNC, 57% Kansas. Oh, Ogbaji was yeah, single-handed. It was all Ogbaji. Sure yes. It was fucking all Ogbaji there. All right, offensive rebounds, 20. UNC had 20 offensive rebounds. Kansas had seven. Yep, that's that's the UNC game. Like, you know, that that that's just their recipe. Like, I, so I think it really comes down to, I think at the end of the day, UNC didn't get to play their brand of basketball for the entire game, but they still got to play it. They dominated the boards. They got a lot of second chance points, um, second chance opportunities, you know, which is their kind of brand of basketball that they were playing in the tournament. So they got to do that. It's just, at the end of the day, you know, we all knew that the Jayhawks were the much more talented team coming in. Right. They were also the deeper team, which came to be an issue for UNC, who were struggling with both stamina and also injuries, right, to key players, to starters. And other than Shaboy Puff, you know, they, don't, they didn't really have anyone else coming off the bench. Yeah, and honestly, like those, the at least the two ankle injuries, you know, like for Baycott, Love, those are fatigue injuries. Yeah, for sure, know? for sure. Like legs are weak, you know, less stability. Like you just trip over yourself. Yep. You know, Caleb Love tripping over himself. That's hundred percent. You know, he's his legs are just tired. Yep. Like he 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 just doesn't have stability. He can't find his footing, and he just you know sprains his ankle. You know, halfway through the game. It's just so sad to see, right? Because, like, this game, you know, UNC might have won the whole thing if they had a deeper, you know, a deeper squad. Yeah, outside of uh, outside of Puff Puff Johnson, right? So Puff Puff. Uh, but yeah, all in all, yeah, really good game. Um, I think we, I think we can move on to NBA. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Suns took on the Lakers last night and won, and with that, not only did they achieve 63 wins their highest franchise total and they're not done yet they can still finish with 66 yep they officially eliminated the lakers from playoff contention like officially i mean i mean we knew it was coming but like now it's you know mathematically impossible um i mean we can talk about both teams um but let's first start off with the lakers i think it's pretty clear you know why they were unsuccessful they had plenty of injury issues um russell westbrook was hot garbage um and that's generous. you know i think the bigger question is what now like are we going to see a lakers team that's going to try to put up some kind of competition next year like what what do you think like what is the path forward with the lakers next year so this is tough right it's tough I think, so, I mean, number one, there are already a lot of reports saying that that Vogel is done, um, which he obviously should be. Um, the most bizarre thing about this Lakers team has been that Frank Vogel is your head coach, and he's a head coach known to, like, he, he's the head coach that you go to and you say, okay, I'll give you, like, I'll give you a roster of pretty decent players and you're going to make them a top 10 defense at the very least. Like that's, that's the kind of coach that he is. He's like very similar to like Thibodeau in that way. Um, 
But this Lakers team was nothing like was nowhere even close to that. In, in both terms of effort and also in terms of the the way that they were playing defense. There was no semblance of this is a very good defensive team, which is what you're known for, like as as a head coach. If you can't do that with a team full of veteran players who have who know how to play the game, then it can be only one of two things. Either you lost the locker room, which frankly, that's what I think happened. Frankly, pun intended. I think that's what happened. Um, um, or the veterans are all washed, which is which is possible. But I mean, you have some good like quality veterans on this team. Like, even if you took this, if you took the names on this team, and you said this was a team two years ago. You would have thought that this team will run away with the title like no contest whatsoever. So it's not like it's a team full of like completely washed veterans, which a lot of people will say. I I honestly think that Frank Vogel just lost the locker room and he's going to get fired for it, which, you know, he should. Who's going to come next? I don't know, but um, could be Doc Rivers, which would be hilarious. That's 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 a disaster way to happen. <laughs> that would be freaking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, if they want to make one of the like the best meme teams of all time, sure. <laughs> but if they want to win chips, hell no. <laughs> that is that 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 that's no, that's ridiculous. The the bigger question here is is what do they do with their future? Um, and I, obviously it comes down to two players, right? It comes down to what AD is going to do and what they're going to do with AD and, and what LeBron's going to do. Um, and the timing is a little weird for LeBron because, you know, in the last, in these last couple of years, in these last couple of years where the Lakers have struggled, clearly, LeBron's kept saying one thing. He's kept saying this exact same thing. I want to play with Bronny in the NBA, right? That, that, he's been saying that like consistently, constantly for the last two years. Um, even most recently it, it, on an interview, he's like, they were like, who do you want to play with the most in the NBA? He was like, obviously Bronny and then Steph, which is, which is actually an interesting comment to, to kind of just sneak in there, right? It's just like... Very interesting, yeah. Like, yeah, uh... I want to play with Steph. <laughs> um, which, which, which is very interesting because it could be an indication that even LeBron is kind of coming to the realization that maybe he's maybe he's not enough anymore to be the number one, like the the bona fide number one on a championship team. Maybe he, maybe that's kind of saying that I want to play with Steph Curry is somewhat of an omission of I can feel my body slowing down and I, I couldn't even pull my team into the playoffs this year. You know, maybe, maybe it's time for me to, you know, start stepping down a little bit. Well, I, I, I wouldn't like, so in a hypothetical world where LeBron James joins the Warriors, I wouldn't be so quick to say that, you know, Steph very well could be the number one option. 
But I think I think the point that he's making, right, is maybe like if he maybe he might be like a lesser option one. You know what I mean? Like he's not going to be an option one, and then like he doesn't need an option two. He needs like an option three, like because that's that's LeBron of old, right? Yep. You put LeBron on a team with like a good third option, and he still will take you, you know, to yep. the finals. What he did with Kyrie Irving, I think a lot of people will think that Kyrie is maybe he's a number two, maybe he's a number three, right? Um, because well, like it's hard to tell with the Cleveland Cavaliers because LeBron was, I mean, he's the best number one option that we've seen outside of Michael Jordan, right? So, um, and and so, you know, now he's he's not able to right, like you said, pull the weight as much. Um, but that being said, though, I mean, who wouldn't like to play with Steph Curry? I would yeah. like to play with Steph. Just the floor spacing that the guy provides, like even if like you know like he doesn't directly pass to you, it's just easier, right, to play if Steph Curry's on your team. Like it's um so I mean people are gonna put a lot of stock into it. I mean but you know, who doesn't wanna play with Steph Curry? I feel like if, if you wanna if you're if you're an NBA player Steph Curry like might like unanimously be like the one guy that all players want on their team just because right freaking Steph Curry. It's true. Um, it's true. And I, so you know beyond that, so the LeBron James questions is 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 interesting because it's what actually it's not even the Lakers really. I I I don't think I don't per, I personally don't think that the Lakers control what LeBron does because I, I think, I think it's LeBron's choice of if he's going to stay, if he's going to leave, but he's just in a weird, this is why I brought up the Bronny thing. He's in a weird timing because obviously like it's going to take a few more years for Bronny to come into the NBA. Right. Um, he's still, I mean, if he does, if he does, <laughs> is this yeah. like, it's not even a guarantee, right? right. It's not even a guarantee. He's still in high school, right? Like, with all the nepotism in the world, I mean, which is like we have to admit, it's probably the most compelling case of yeah. nepotism you'll ever see in the NBA. But still, right? He's still way too young. For exactly. Us to be, like guaranteeing he's going to be the NBA. Right. Exactly. So LeBron's in a weird place because it really seems like he does want to play with Bronny and he wants to make that happen, and he's going to force his way to whatever team that Bronny ends up being on if he ends up being on a team. The question is, then what does he do until then? Because is he okay just kind of sitting around on middling rosters, just kind of waiting for his son to maybe potentially play in the NBA? Or or is he going to take a real, like a real step and try to win another championship? Because... I don't know, just the, the the way that he's talking about his future and who he wants to play with and that sort of thing, it doesn't sound like a player who is obsessed with winning another championship. Which is kind of sad. Right? right? It, it doesn't sound like that anymore. It, it used to, actually. It used to when he was like, I need to chase Jordan. Like, I need to, I need to get, like, five rings. I need to get six. Right? Like, but it doesn't feel like that anymore. And... It's kind of sad to see. It's kind of sad to see that 
who is going to go down as the, the second best player of all time, if not the best player of all time, has kind of lost the drive to to put everything on the line to win a championship. And that's going to impact the Lakers too. If, if he stays on the Lakers, he, he's the one who sets the tone. And if the tone is going to be like, eh, I don't really care, like I'm just waiting for my son – then I don't I don't see a, a bright future here for for LA. Yeah, I, th- I think you know. I think you know he's got to be realistic, right? Getting two more rings, right, to cash in that's not going to be easy at all. And the thing is, like, if he he could right join Steph Curry and the Warriors or something, and then get maybe get a ring or two, right, and maybe possibly catch up, but. Come on, like those rings are not going to be as strong as Jordan's two three peats, right? Like, it's so I think like you know if if I'm in his position, I'm kind of like you know like well, what's the point of this all? Like you know, like there's going to be asters, there's going to be like you know <laughs> narratives written against me like when it comes to the rings argument, regardless of what happens. I mean, he's already like you know arguably gotten a reputation right for being this. Like, you know, like a GM micromanager that like, you know, and so his rings a little bit are kind of like, I mean, we're definitely not going to like, you know, like compare him to like, you know, what KD did, but still like kind of like, you know, it, it feels a little bit more manufactured, right? And so, you know, I think like even if LeBron got six rings, you know, the, the conversation is not going to end there. You know, we're not going to like see like people who are like clamoring for Jordan all of a sudden just be like, yep, six equals six. Yep. All right. Fine. <laughs> like, you know, like. There, it, it, there's always going to be an argument against it. And so, you know, maybe he did lose the motivation. Maybe he is, you know, um, you know, thinking about, like, where he is at in his career and whether or not, first of all, like, are the two rings even possible? And then what happens yeah. then, right? Yeah. And so I think, you know, I think it could make a lot of sense. And he's definitely, you know, getting to the age where it's, like, I think if he's going to win a ring, it's hard to see him being, like, the, not, like, anywhere, like, you know, close to, like, you know, the driving force that he was, in, like, in convincing fashion, you know, when he won in Cleveland, for example. Um, and so, um, you know, those years are behind him, right? And uh, so, yeah, maybe, maybe he is, you know, just playing a coast. Maybe he is actually thinking about just joining Steph Curry and just, just get a stat pad the resume a little bit and just, you know, yeah. Because, I mean, what is he going to do with the Lakers at, at this point? I mean, um, are, are they able to make another championship push? I doubt it. But, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's not an easy position. But um, with the Phoenix Suns, um, you know, this, this is the team that's, you know, going to get – gonna get like more than 63 they're not they're not done yet i'm, oh, yeah. I'm sure they're gonna win at least one of the last three games um I, th- I think we we talk about them a lot but where how far do we see this team are they legit you know contenders and are they legit favorites to win the championship this year i think they are i think they're kind of nuts and I'm gonna I'm gonna provide a counter argument to this too. I mean, I, 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 I mean, obviously, but I mean, my lord, like, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, let, let's just break down the team. Um, 
So statistically, right? Statistically, the Suns would be just the third team in 26 years where they rank top three in both offensive and defensive efficiency. The other two teams to do this were legendary 2014-2015 Warriors, 2016-2017 Warriors. Both champions in their respective seasons. I mean, obviously, when you're top three in both offense and defense, yeah, I mean, has to be. Um, so, number one, that's crazy. Number two, the Suns, it's not like they were just feasting on, on bad teams the entire season. They are, they have the best record. They're 28 and 11 against teams with winning records. 28 and 11. I mean, that's pretty damn good. I like there, there are there are plenty of playoff teams with losing records. So, you know, to go 28 and 11 against them, I mean, that that's that's pretty incredible. Um, and then if you just look at their team composition, right? If you look at the composition of the Suns, they kind of have it all, right? They have the the savvy veteran playmaking point guard in Chris Paul, who knows how to get it done. They have Devin Booker, who, you know, he, he may not be the MVP this year, and largely because he doesn't have to carry the exact same load that, like, Embiid or, or Giannis have to do on their respective teams. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's still not that quality of a player and that he couldn't if he needed to. He's obviously, he's very clearly shown throughout his career that he can drain 50 points and drop 60 point games when he needs to do so. So, you know, to have that, that amount of firepower in, in one player is also incredible. And then obviously, you know, they have Aiton at center who can, who can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, he's not, he's not a one trick pony at center. It's not like that. It's also not like he has no range at all, like Dwight Howard when when Dwight Howard was dominating. He kind he can kind of do a little bit of everything, uh, which is really really nice for a team that is super well rounded, like I mentioned before. And then and then they just surrounded themselves with uh, with a bunch of both kind of a mixture of younger playmakers and also a little older kind of solid rotational pieces. And so. It, just look at the team compositionally, and it's super, super well-rounded. And so, I just, I don't know, it's hard to say, like, I don't see, like, a big weakness in the team. And so, it's hard for me to say that nope. another team's going to I, I agree. Go ahead, I agree. make your case. They're making it to the NBA Finals. Okay, okay. And I think they're going to lose. Okay, too. <laughs> I think they're going to lose to the Celtics. Okay. Okay. Celtics. Lowest points per game allowed. First defensive rating. Their offensive rating is not up there, but they are annihilating teams these days. They're annihilating the Chicago Bulls right now, like by 20 points. And like the game's like only in like the third quarter. Like it's not even a contest right now. True. They do not have, they do not have a losing record against any team in the East. Not even Miami. They have a winning record against Miami. And 
So this is a team, right, that they replaced Brad Stevens. They got a new coach, Ime, and now it's starting to click. And Jason Tatum was cold, you know, in the beginning of the season. And I had my doubts. I'm still not com- convinced about him in the postseason. But that's like the that's like the last piece. Does Jason Tatum elevate to become a number one, you know, option on a championship caliber team at the postseason? If it does, and I think I, I, I I'm starting to believe it more and more because I because it's not just about him, right? Ime is becoming you know a coach of the year candidate. I mean, so is you know Fonny Williams with uh, uh, with the Phoenix Suns. But this team is I mean they're the hottest team in in arguably in the entire NBA for the last two months. And they're just hitting their stride as they go into the playoffs. And I honestly don't see any team in the East stopping them, barring any injuries, because they're, I mean, I'll admit they're not the deepest squad, but barring any injuries, I, they're going to make it to the NBA. Because there's there's no one that's really, like, you know, we talked about the East, right? There's no one that's, like, super convincing, right? Yep. Nobody, like, who's got the conference, you know, uh, by the reins like uh, the Suns do. But based on recent play, based on the last two months, and we're not even talking about just, like a, like, a week's time. Like, we're talking about, like, a good two months of, like, you know, a, a sample size of a, a Celtics team that has gelled. The coach has, has, you know, adjusted into, you know, um, to, uh, leading this team. They've got everything working for them. And there's no, like, real reason to think that that's going to stop when the postseason comes. It's just a matter of is Jason Tatum going to elevate and become the number one option. And I think it's going to be a hell amazing series because Booker is going to need to do that too, right? Booker, like you said, he didn't need to do that in the regular season, but in the playoffs – your best, your best player needs to elevate. Those are the teams that succeed, right? And so who's going to be able to do it? Is it going to be Jason Tatum? Is it going to be Devin Booker? And I think the Celtics, I think, are going to take it. You know, like something about, like, the NBA, um, except, like, you know, in a time, like, you know, without the Warriors. You know, the number one seeds, you know, you know the number one seeds do well, but, you know, they don't always win, right? And so... Um, I, I think it's. I think I, I'm. I'm pretty confident it's going to be a Celtics Suns series. Like the Celtics are playing some insane ball. Like the only losses that they've gotten, like in like the last two months, are like what? Like they got like three losses. Like one's like an OT loss. Like you know, it's a toss up. And the thing is, like they've lost. They, a lot of their losses are coming from like you know less than three point margins. Like it, it's it's really really close, right? And so again. If Tatum, you know, elevates to become that clutch guy, dude, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. They're, they're playing such good ball right now. All right, see, see, Andy, now you, you've revealed my trap card. <laughs> you, you revealed my trap card. I'm with you on the Celtics. I love the Celtics. I, I didn't I tell you like two weeks ago how obsessed I was with the Celtics. And I've had a hard on for Jason Tatum for God knows how long. All right, but okay. You reveal my trap card. You said it yourself. They lost that overtime game. Most of the games that they're losing, they're losing by like three points. They're losing by like two or three possessions at the very end of the game. All right. Let me give you let me give you stats that are just like incredibly enlightening. All right. 
The Celtics have gone 13-21 and 21 in games that were within five points in the last five minutes. The only teams with a worse record on in such games are the Pacers and the Magic. And they scored less than a point per clutch possession this season. All right. On the flip side, on the flip side, if you look at the Suns, they've scored 131.3 points per 100 possessions within in, in games within 5 points in the last 5 minutes of fourth quarter overtime. That's the best in 26 years of clutch data and 7 points more than any other team this season. So you're looking at like kind of like two ends of the spectrum. The Suns have proven to be extremely clutch this season, all season long. In fact, so clutch that they're historically clutch. While the Celtics have been towards the very bottom of the entire league in terms of clutchness this entire season. You can even see it in their latest game against the Heat. They scored. Let me see. Let, 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 let me let me let me make sure here. Let me make sure. They scored once in their final 10 possessions against Miami in their latest game. And they lost that game. It's so it's not even just it's not even a matter of this happened like early in the season or the middle of the season. And it didn't happen after me. They, they're, they're heated up. Pun intended again, I guess. And then they score one time in the last 10 possessions against Miami in a almost like must win. Like this is a, this can be your, your kind of uh, season defining game. This is, this is, this is what's going to get them. This is what's going to lose them a playoff series. They might get to the finals. I can give you that. But the Suns are super clutch. I don't know if they can even make it past that. I will say, I will say, first of all, it's the playoff, baby. <laughs> and regular season clutch, I don't give a damn. <laughs> and, 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 and number two, you have to appreciate that the clutchness of the Celtics... A lot of the L's that they've taken are, again, earlier on in the season. Celtics now, they're blowing teams out so hard that you don't even need to get to test that. You don't even get to test, you know, the whole less than five points, you know. Like, how can we even test that experiment if they're blowing Chicago out 20 points up in the third quarter? Like, excuse me. Like, like we have to at least run that experiment a couple times before you can confirm that, you know, yep, Celtics are still playing really good basketball, but still not clutch. You know, that. so I will say that. I will say that. Nothing to take away from the Phoenix Suns, though. It's going to be a good series. I, I think it's going to be the finals. And I, I think, you know, like I said, the Celtics got to work it out, you know. They're going to work it out. I, I have faith in the new coach, and – you know, it's just a matter of is Jason Tatum ready to take it to the next level? And you know what? That's the only question that I can't answer yet. But I think 
because because the team is so good, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm hoping that it's not going to be like, you know, something that they'll have to rely too much on. Um, but I, I, I think, yeah, I think we can both agree that right now, you know, you also have the Celtics going to the finals. I, I, I think they have to. They're, they're on fire. Right. Like, I, I, I just don't see how they can be stopped. I, um, you know, barringly, you know, like Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum going down. Like, like I, I, how, like, I mean, it would just has be, an it, it would or just have, is freaking playing well. It would just have <laughs> to be, it would just have to be Giannis taking over a game, like a series. That's, that's the right. It's like, he, but the thing is, like, he'll take over a game, but, you know, can he take over a series? I mean, against a team that's like just like just like absolutely annihilating anything that's in its path right true. now. True. You know, like I can see it. No, I, I I I'm not saying that you know they're gonna sweep their way to the finals, but the thing is because I know they're gonna have like you know this you know these BS overtime games, maybe an overtime game that they lose here and there, but I I. I, I think they're they would beat everybody in the East right now in in, in, a, in a series that doesn't even need to go to seven games the way they're playing, True. every one of them. Um, so, so so interesting interesting um, interesting what the NBA season is shaping up to be. Um, exciting playoffs I think coming up. Um, let's move on to soccer. Yeah. Uh, World Cup draw, and of course. Um, you know, some interesting teams, you know, uh, interesting countries that are being represented time around. The U.S. are back. Woo! Uh, Italy are not. Yikes. And Canada has come to the World Cup. They've, they've booked their ticket to Qatar, the World Cup, for the first time since I was born. Um, that's for sure. I, 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 never, I never imagined the day where I would see Canada in... It, 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 it representing in a World Cup, but honestly, you know, this is you know, needless to say, it's it's the best Canadian team that I've ever seen. I I never thought the day would come, and here they are. I mean, I I mean, let's first talk about you know, Canada. They're in a group Canada. with Belgium, Morocco, and Croatia. That's a hard group. That's a hard group. <laughs> it's a hard group. And um, I think, you know, I have to be honest. I don't see them making it out of it. But maybe, maybe, right? Because um, Belgium is, you know, known for being allergic to international success to, despite how stacked they are. You know, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, and... <laughs> Croatia as well, um, Cro- uh, like the, the well, no, not not Croatia as well, but Croatia is you know their star players, you know Perisic, Modric, a little bit older. I, I believe the rest of their starting eleven is pretty young though. Yeah. So this like narrative of like them getting really old, um, apparently is not really as accurate as it actually is. But you know, but, but some of their but key players Modric, are quite older. Yeah, they're key players, especially, you know, the key yeah. players that, you know, like, starred in the last World Cup. Yeah. You know, exactly. are exactly. Older, right? Exactly. We still have new talent, I think. But, um, you know, I think what kind of Croatian team are we going to see? I still think it's going to be too strong for the Canadians. Um, that's for sure. Um, Canada, I don't even, I'm not even sure if Canada's going to finish over Morocco. 
I mean, uh, I'd like to like you know be optimistic and say that they're not going to come out last, but you know it, it could happen. Morocco's um, Morocco's pretty good. They're they are they are they're top thirty like they're top thirty squad. They're they're pretty good. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think um yeah, and with the World Cup, like you, you never know what can happen, right? And so, but um I think I think at least you know the. Uh, much, I think, much of, you know, the world, at least, you know, with the, at least among Americans and, you know, the British, you know, we're, of course, looking at Group B. Um, everybody's looking at Group B, England, Iran, USA, and what could be possibility of Wales, Scotland, and um, I believe there's one, one other country. Wales, Scotland, um, Ukraine. West calling Ukraine, which is like, wow, like there's like so much potential, right? Because like, with, first of all, with that playoff, it can go different ways. It can be yet another, you know, anglophonic country. Yeah. Or it could be, of course, you know, one of the, you know, one of the most like, you know, uh, I guess, you know, co- like, you know, countries with a, like, you know, a lot of, you know, motivation and like, like drive. The darlings you know, of the World Cup if they make it into this group. Exactly. And so that group has potential for so much drama. Uh, what, what do you think about the U.S. chances? Um, they're obviously, you know, feeling a stronger, like one of the strongest squads that we've seen, you know, recently. I mean, clearly because they were able to make it this uh, this year and not, you know, four years ago. So better squad, but are they going to be able to overcome, you know, England? Are they going to be able to overcome, you know, Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine? Is it, you know, do you see them, like, is it really going to be contingent on that playoff? Like, how do you see things? I think there's, you know, as much as I love America, I, I don't, I don't see a world in which they come up, come out as the number one out of this group. I don't think that's going. Oh to yeah, I, I I can definitely agree with you on that. Um, England is coming out um, number one. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> Very easily, almost. Um. But and are they coming out number two, right? Are, are... So that's the thing. It's just even number two, no matter who comes out of this playoffs, is not going to be easy. Okay, so you would think that maybe, you know, of the three teams, oh, probably Scotland's the weakest of them. All right, very casually, Scotland on their squad. Andrew Robertson, Kieran Tierney. Scott McTominay, McGregor, like Adam, oh, like what? Che Adams. This team actually has some really, really good players. Um, Right. And so they're not going to be a walk in the park if they're the ones who come out. They're probably the least likely to come out of this playoffs. Okay. And then, then maybe the second would be Ukraine, which. Obviously, they have a bunch of motivation, right, already, like, like even even without just the quality of the players. But the quality of players is quite good. They have Zinchenko, who plays for City. Um, they obviously have... Yarmolenko? Yeah, Yarmolenko, the legend, Yarmolenko. Yarmolenko, who only scores bangers. <laughs> actually, though, actually. Like, 
the, the quality of the squad, the squad is actually not so bad. Um, obviously, like half of them play for uh, Dynamo Kiev or Kyiv or however you pronounce it. Yeah, um, it's like it's like half that team is part of the part of the national squad, um, and and it, you know that's that's it's just quality squad, right? Um, they're it is a quality squad, yeah. I think. You know, but USA. We got Gio Reyna. We got Captain America, Christian Pulisic, man. Woo! So I, I I think the U.S. come out second. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put the I – think, I think no matter who finishes actually in the playoff, I think I, I'm, I put the U.S. to come second. Um, unless, unless Wales makes it and like Gareth Bale like just freaking goes like Champions League mode and like like – absolutely crushes us like with like a hat trick or some shit like i i i i think the u.s will get the job done and i, I and don't underestimate i think the u.s also have like tremendous hunger right you know this is a new generation of players you know uh and led by you know a christian who like you know never got you know taste at an international stage like this but he's had his share of big stage games, you know, playing in the Champions League final, right? So so I think, you know, don't underestimate the U.S., man. I, I, I think they can come out of it um, second. I mean, um, I think they need to win. I mean, I mean, they need to get out of the group. Like, this, this is their opportunity to get out of the group. They have – I don't remember the last time – like, even, even the last time when the U.S. did get out of groups – I don't think that squad had the the level of of quality of individual players that this squad has right now. I, I mean, we have a lot of Premier League, Bundesliga um, quality players on 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 the Team USA. So you know. And arguably, maybe even more than the the other three teams that could qualify, uh, right for that for that last slot. And so, to be frank, USA probably doesn't have like a good excuse. I mean, you could obviously, like you're saying, like Wales does have a pretty good quality, like even outside of Gareth Bale. But you know, I I don't I think they kind of need to take this opportunity, um, and especially because. It's, we've kind of built up to this moment, haven't we? Like, we thought that the, the last World Cup is when we were going to see, like, this next generation of U.S. talent take to the international stage and show the world how much the U.S. has developed in, in soccer. And then we didn't get that. And so we've waited another four years to be like, okay, now, now is their opportunity for the U.S. to show the world that, that we have worked to develop um our soccer players the the talent in the united states like that we're not the same u.s that uh used to come to world cups and and not do much you know 12 20 years ago um so this is the opportunity to do it if they don't do it if they fail to come out of groups here i don't know man like it's hella deflating, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Like, we waited so long for this, for the next generation to come up and, and, and show us something. I don't know. 
Well, and, and also like it's this is a group that's led by like you know, I think a, a star that we have never seen like you know frankly in America like in American soccer history we haven't seen a guy like Christian Pulisic yep. who like you know regularly features and stars as an attacker as a goal scorer for you know one of the best and rec- most recognizable clubs in the world yep and the out of the out of the american team you know four years ago i mean who was like you know the headline guy like you know tim howard who you know <laughs> admittedly had a, the tournament of his life and is no slouch i mean he he was a mainstay of that everton squad yep. back when they were good um um and he had a very successful career but you know it's it's not the same as you know and it's it doesn't attract the amount of attention as like you know goal scorer at like you know at that same or even higher arguably caliber right like a guy like christian pulisic so this like you're right this is the this is like this is the time now for the u.s to actually get some more attention and and people were pretty like hyped about like you know the U.S. getting as far as they did in the World Cup last time. Yeah, you know, it was it was hype. Know, people were talking about it. Yeah, it was actually hype. Like it was hype, and then you know, and, and even if they like kind of like you know busted out, people were kind of like, "Yo, the U.S. is super hype," and, and that's why exactly. it was such a buzzkill for them to not make it you yes. know, in the next World Cup because it just it almost felt like we just lost all that momentum. Yep, that had like you know. The public a little bit, you know, interested about um, about soccer. And yep. So, yeah. Crucial, crucial. I think, and and it's not a super difficult. Let's be honest. Group, and for that matter, I think you know all the groups that we see. You know, um, I think I think you know at least more than uh, previous World Cups. I think there aren't really any like single groups that I look at and say that's ridiculously like difficult. There isn't like, you know, some like France, Portugal and Italy, like all in one group or like some kind of bullshit like that. It's, it's pretty like, you know, I mean, what, what is the hardest group? Maybe mm-hmm. it's, maybe it's group E, Spain, Germany, Japan. That's kind of hard. Kind of. I mean, but really, Spain and Germany are going to run away with it, like, right? Yeah. The, 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 the playoff team is not a real team. And then, right. and then Japan is not what, what they used to be. Um, so, like... Yeah, like, I mean, they, they might be able to squeeze a draw out of, like, Spain or Germany. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Team, but no. I, I think it's Group but, um, C, actually. Yeah, group C's group C's a tough one too. Yeah, I think C is pretty tough. That's C is tough. I mean, it like because yeah, Mexico is like one of the most underrated teams. Like every single World Cup, yeah. they're like they're a top horses. ten team. Mexico is a top ten team. Yeah, Mexico is so loaded that Chicharito is not on the team. Well, like Chicharito is also like forty. <laughs> Chicharito is still good. Okay, <laughs> he would make our national team. Yeah. Eh, he wouldn't start though. Yeah, he he wouldn't start, but he would still be on the team. He's not even on the team. Well, yeah, it's uh. That's no, yeah. Mexico's got a. They got a good team. They got a good team. They got a good team. But I mean, I I would have loved to be in Group A. Gotta say, Group A is like. (laughs) 
Netherlands are just like, <laughs> you know, they're gonna they're about to uh, they're gonna eat. And the good thing is, is I believe Group B, like winners of Group B, are like matched with Group A or something like that. So oh, you know, okay. the U.S. make it out, then you know they might get like a decent. You know, they might get the decent draw. Decent, like, Wait, but they Maybe they not. will still have to play the one seed, right? Of A. I don't know if that's how it works. Is that not in that how it case, works? In that case, honestly, <laughs> Netherlands are like they're good, but like they've been they've been better. You know what I mean? Oh, hundred like, percent. Like their squad this year is like it's beatable. It's beatable, but. I mean, I don't know, man. Some of these... They still got Van Dyke. <laughs> they Dude, still got Van Dyke. They have Van Dyke and DeLict. <laughs> and Ake. Like, all in the back. And then they have Blade. Yeah, like, definitely, like, the only part that's, like, kind of sus about them is is Memphis, like, you know... Yeah, exactly. Is their front is, like, who's going to be, like... Is Memphis their Irvine. number one? But Irvine, you know, Memphis. Yeah. But they have a, a a loaded midfield to kind of like back them up and set things up, right? Like Classy, yeah, like starting De, like De Young, Wingelum, Clausen, like that's kind of insane. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then I, their I, coach, I, I, their coach LVG, the boy. Yes. Yeah, no, the, they got a good team. They they got a good team. It's just, but you know, the U.S. man. We face stronger, and we've won. So, <laughs> so it's um, true. It's true. But yeah, I, I think I think it'll be interesting. Um, what do you think about Group H? Because um, because Korea also yeah. fielding. We right? got to talk about the Korea team. Yeah, the strongest squad on paper that I think we've seen, like since like arguably like you know two thousand two. Yeah, yeah. Since O2, probably that's true. Like, I think this is probably their best chance to make it out of the group stage that we'll see in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like Ghana, I mean, all those teams are tough, but I also feel at the same time, all those teams are beatable too. I think these teams are generally... I mean, okay, so Uruguay... We're not gonna beat Uruguay. I but, remember... like Uruguay also kind of like the Netherlands, not the strongest team that they fielded in the past. Suarez still has it. I'll give him that, but he's aging. You know, I don't know. Man. Outside of him, and like you know, like they have Nunez. They've got a. They always have a good squad. I mean, yeah. like yeah, nothing to take away from them. But like the thing is, like you know, they're not as like dangerous as like the 2010 squad. Is what yeah, I'm saying, yeah, right? and, and their backline is is kind of older now. Like Diego Godin, for instance, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So and, and they're playing guys like you know Bentancur in the midfield, and it's like he's a good player, but he's not like they're not invincible. Yeah, no, for right. sure. They're they're not invincible. Um, so yeah, like like Uruguay's gonna be tough. Portugal Portugal actually has a really strong squad. They might they they probably even have a stronger squad than Uruguay. Yeah, I would I would say Portugal's likely to come out first. Like, and dude, on, look, on paper you gotta think or you have to say Uruguay's like, you know, the next favorite. Look at their forwards, dude. All right, Ronaldo. But, but I'll ask you this question. I'll ask you this question, right? I mean, who would you 
what what would be more probable for Korea to be in Germany in the last World Cup or for them to beat Uruguay in this one? Uruguay. Exactly. There you go. So, so you know, like it's. I, I think. Okay. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Are we gonna beat Ghana? We suck against African teams. We suck because we have to, dude. Because we the physic, because the physicality, like it, we, it's just a bad matchup for us. But I think the physicality is changing too. I, I it's think, true. I true. think like the Korean teams now, like nowadays, are, are they're stronger than they were before. True. You know. This is true. This is true. Like, like we got Quang up front. The dude is like physically, he can hang with them. True. Like, you know, I mean, he plays in the sun, so yeah. Right, Son, yeah, Son, he can he can hang with them, right? Physically for sure. And like technically, like honestly, like he'll be he's gonna be the best player on the pitch. Right? So so honestly, yeah, I, I Ghana I mean Ghana's like Ghana's definitely not a slouch, you know. I could see us losing to them, but I could also see us beating them. That's what I'm saying, man. Like it's a best chance that I think like, you know, we've had to make it out of the groups. Like, you know, the last group that we were in, the last World Cup absolutely no chance and like you know exactly what we expected happened like you know we were we were the fourth best team in the group on paper and you know it's kind of a it's kind of a shocking thing that we didn't finish fourth and, yeah and this year it's like i don't know like you know maybe we are the fourth group team on paper but i could like i think outside of portugal i think i can see even ghana taking second i can see us yeah. taking second i can see uruguay taking second Right, so I mean, we have the boy Cho Hyunwoo. Cho Hyunwoo, he's Our, back, and I don't know what kind of form he's in. I don't know what kind it of form he's in either, but um, but yeah. it was so funny because after that World Cup, people were like, "Yo, like Liverpool should pick him up as like a backup or something." Dude, dude people were so hypey on him. They're like, "Yo, he's the Korean Tim Howard." Like, <laughs> he's the Korean Tim Howard. He was though in that he, world, in that dude. He was. He, yeah, yeah, we were like, dude, we we he's the second coming of Lee Wan J. Like, yeah, he was nuts, dude. I mean, like, yeah, we'll we'll see if he can. I, I mean, if he could put up that kind of quality, dude, I, I could again. You know, the chances to make it out of the group, you know, get even better. I'm just, I'm just excited to see Son Min and uh, and Hong Yi Chan kind of link up here, um, see what they can create. Right. Uh, I think it's really it's really gonna be up to them, right? Because at the end of the day, you you need to score. I would guess you have to score at least two goals against these teams to pull out a win. Because um, our yeah. defense, our defense is not that good, frankly. We we don't have it's not higher quality on on. Defense. It's not, but like like you know, it's gonna be it's gonna come down to the offense. And the thing is, right? Like you know, in the qualifiers. The offense has been like sparkling. Yeah. Right? So yeah, exactly. I have no doubt. Like you know, like the like, we're gonna score goals. We're gonna score goals. We're we're just you know how many goals are we gonna let in? <laughs> like, that's the a lot. It's a real question. <laughs> and is Joy Hyun gonna have something to you know say about you know how many how many how many of uh, those goals that we can see? I hope he does. Um, but let's move on. Um, EPL. Um, very very you know. Pivotal moments happening, you know, midweek. Um, let's first talk briefly about what happened today. Everton, after being practically handed 
the game on a platter with two penalties. By the way, Burnley only had conceded in the Premier League to the, to up until today, they'd only conceded one penalty. Wow. This is not a team that, you know, you get a lot of penalties out of. And Everton today got two penalties. And in the game on a platter, Richarlison converts them. They're up 2-1. And just choke the game away on individual mistakes. And the thing is, is it's not even like Lampard's fault because they're just individual like brain dead errors. And it's it's just coming from like a squad that just doesn't have the concentration. That the is his is, fault. That is his fault. I mean, but but like it, it I'm I'm just saying that it's not it, it's not necessarily like a direct flaw in the tactics, for example. It's you know, it, it indirectly Certainly, you know, I'm sure he has a part to play in it, but it's not as direct as we think, right? Like, it's very much like the players are like, my point is that like, you you could bring in any manager in the world right now, and I don't think, you know, I honestly, looking at their schedule games, I don't think any manager can like, you know, scrape more than like three points. Maybe a good manager will win Watford, but the other games, I mean, I know United have been bad, but they're not that bad. You know, yeah. I know Leicester chokes games like all the time, but they're not that bad. You know, like like that's what I see when I look at their next, you know, schedule. And Watford, I right now, based on form, I even put Watford above them. I think Everton is like the only team that I can see Everton actually like winning against right now is like Norwich, but they're not playing them. So <laughs> like their, their upcoming schedule is an absolute nightmare. And after today's game, and Sean Dyche, of course, putting in a master class of, like, like how to, how to survive and survive relegation in the Premier League 101. Sean Dyche's nice. master class. Yeah. Nice. Just ran a clinic today. And, you know, Everton looks like, looks like they're going to go down. But they weren't the only ones that put up, you know, a shocking performance. Arsenal... Going down to Palace 3-0. Big. And honestly, like, it was so confusing because it wasn't just Arsenal screwing up. It was, it was Palace. They, they, they played extremely well. Um, you know, whatever Vieira is doing, it's working. Um, and But Arsenal, after dropping that, based on goal differential, are now behind Spurs. They have a game in hand. But man, that game in hand is basically a game against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. So, do they have a game in hand? Spurs have the easier schedule of games coming up. Arsenal. Chelsea just Arsenal have, um, they got some tougher fixtures. And don't forget North London Derby scheduled to happen. True, that'll be big. That, I think that's literally just like who gets top four. That's the game right there. And the thing is, is based on form, I know where the Spurs and I, I, I know where Spurs and I know we like bottle everything, but <laughs> based on current form, and remember, this is not Spurs of old. This is Conte Spurs, man. This is Conte Spurs, and the game's gonna be played at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So Spurs are home. And, you know, with North London Derbies, you know, recently, you know, in recent years, usually the team on, on home turf 
usually doesn't lose is what I've noticed. So I, I feel optimistic about that. And I think, you know, with Arsenal, the thing with Arsenal is that they've lost key players to injuries. Like even with last game, right? They've lost Partey. They're, they've lost Tierney. You know, like, and they're already like a, a squad that is very thin. You know, they didn't have, you know, I mean, they had, for, for God's sake, they had to reschedule the North London Derby because they didn't have enough players to freaking play. They had to play like, they would have been forced to play U23 kids if the if the fixture had gone on. And so this is a squad that's already arguably even shallower than a Spurs squad, which is already shallow enough. And they just got a couple of injuries. And so I think, you know, if, if, if I'm an Arsenal fan right now, I'm thinking a North London Derby to decide who gets top four is what I would like to see because I don't even know if they're going to – are they going to be dropping points left and right? Like Maybe. This team is going to be languishing and struggling, I think. I I don't know, man. All I'm going to say is every time something gets close like this towards the end of the season, United just has a way of just the most bullshit, like, somehow they squirm. They, you know, it's a common, but it, it's the thing. Okay, here's the thing. If, if it was if it was a different composition of like the three teams vying for fourth, then I would feel a little differently. But it's the fact that it's Arsenal, Spurs, and United. It's the fact that it's those three teams that just make me like I don't I don't know, man. I I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, let, let, let's look at it. I mean, United's, I, 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 I believe United's fixtures are not that friendly. Exactly. No, we still have Liverpool left. We still have Liverpool. And, I think we all have Liverpool. Yeah. And, well, actually, we have Liverpool. I'm pretty sure. Well, you guys have Liverpool twice. Yeah, we have Liverpool twice. It's brutal. Yeah. We have Liverpool twice. We have Arsenal, which was going to be the biggest game. And then we have Chelsea. Yeah, Liverpool twice. Chelsea. Yeah. Ugh, that's hard. Yeah, we have Palace twice. Brentford too. is like rejuvenated, like with Christian Eriksen joining. Like that. Don't sleep on them. And Crystal Palace just battered Arsenal. I would not want to play Crystal Palace right now. I mean, I guess United are lucky they're playing them like, you know, last, last game. Yeah. Or... Yeah, it's last game. Well. The second game is the last game, yeah. Yeah, uh, so 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 yeah, it's it's because if United are playing Crystal Palace next week, I don't know if United are going to win that game. Crystal Palace are extremely hot right now, and and I mean, all you guys can do is hope that they're not. They, if they play as well as they did yesterday, they're beating United. They're beating United. They they might even beat Spurs too, honestly. Like, the way they played yesterday, that was an insane ball they played. It's true, it's true. And they're a talented squad. They always had it in them. And yeah, so, yeah. Palace has always it, been a talented squad. Yeah, it's like it, it's like finally now they're playing to their potential. Um, and, yeah, it, maybe a little bit more than that. 
But um, but yeah, like based on how they played against Arsenal yesterday, Ars- it's it's not like Arsenal like it never felt like Arsenal was like yeah, like it, 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 let, let, let's just put it this way: if I watched that game without like having known what the table standings were like, I wouldn't know that Arsenal is a team that's trying to fight for top four while like Crystal Palace are just kind of experimenting with what they can do before the end of the season. It would look to me like Crystal Palace is a legit a better team just stomping on Arsenal. True. Right? And so um, Crystal Palace is not going to be an easy fixture for United either. So I think United, like, you know, United's got a couple gimmies, you know, the next couple games that are absolute mandatory must wins because these are the type of games that you got to win to put yeah, pressure. Yeah, you got you to pick up your three points there, man. You got the three points and then put pressure on, you know, uh, Spurs. The other teams, yep. Arsenal, but... I I I think I think United's fixture uh, schedules. Like I, I'm telling you, man. I don't see them coming out of it. I'm telling you, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen here is Arsenal and Tottenham are going to draw. They're each going to take a point away, and then West Ham and Arsenal are also going to draw, and they're each going to get a point. And I'm telling you, man. I just, I just have a- well, well, that's not, well, that's not enough, right? Because Spurs are same number of games played, three points up, right? So that's not going to be enough to catch Spurs. I just and don't. If you look at the Spurs schedule, I just, if you look at, if you look at their schedule, I just don't. The only, it. the only tough games are Liverpool and Arsenal. That's it. I know, but I just don't believe it. I just don't it's believe Spurs, it. Man. I'm it's not, a Conte Spurs. I won't believe it until I see it. Okay, there, there's no way that Norwich is beating us. There's no way that Burnley is beating us. You're saying... There's I, no way Brighton is beating I'm us. I'm not saying that you have to lose to them. I'm saying you're just going to draw them. No, there's no way. There's no you're way You're going to draw them in the worst have way. Seen, have, you, have you seen the way, like, how Tottenham... Tottenham has not been – they haven't been just scraping by with 2-1, 1-0, 3-2. Like, these aren't the wins that we've been getting. We've been getting, like, 5 nothing, 5-1s. We're annihilating these. We're, we're the Boston Celtics right now. <laughs> right now. We're, we're just crushing everybody. And the only losses that we've had are, like, freaking un- united with, like, yep. Ronaldo. That's Perry just what I'm saying, though. It's just – it's so – it's so that game, that three-two game, is just so symbolic of, of, of how this is gonna end up. I swear to God, I swear. Well, Ronaldo's not even playing right now. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, so the whole like United thing, like, and, 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 and Ronaldo decides to have the one, the best game of the entire campaign <laughs> on that day, and Classic. he's solely the reason why. United wins that game. It was absolute bullcrap. And Spurs didn't even play that well <laughs> up to, like, the form that they had. And they still look like the better team. And so, Norwich, Burnley, it's, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Right. Brighton, it's a wrap. Don't go. It's a wrap. Don't come. Don't come crying to me when you're in Europa Leicester League. City, Leicester City yeah. at Tottenham Stadium, it's a wrap. Just... The only thing that's hard is Liverpool and Arsenal. And honestly, actually, the first time we played Liverpool this season, 
as always, you know, whenever I play Liverpool, I'm like scared. I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, oh, we gotta play Liverpool. They're gonna, they're gonna do it to us again, aren't they? But this time, I'm actually like excited. Like, like, I don't think we're gonna win, but I think it's like I'm like, I'm, I'm like excited to see how the game goes down. Like, you know, there's like, there's, there's like, there's a feeling of uncertainty in the sense that like, you know, what is what used to be inevitable. Doesn't feel so inevitable. Right I now. am and so, inevitable. So Conte said it, you know, um, I think I think a month or two ago that, you know, they, after a good result, he said, like, I, I want I, I want my team to play Chelsea right now and see how we do. I think that's how I feel about like Liverpool right now. I want I want Spurs to play Liverpool right now and I want to see how we do. I want to see how we do. I think it will be a good test. See what we're really made of. Um, but but that, but that's that's the EPL, um, and of course, um, and, and briefly before we move on to um, baseball, let's let's talk a little bit about probably the biggest right fixture in the entire season, and that's going to be Liverpool at the Etihad this weekend. Um, Liverpool chasing uh, City right now; they're one point behind, same number of games played. So obviously, like you know, whoever wins here is you know going to be in the driver's seat um and a, a draw for man city would be good obviously but um but liverpool looking like the team with the better form no i mean they added luis diaz um their options up front are plentiful now they they're in a position where they can start three really good players at the front three and still have like the likes of jota and firmino or maybe it's going to be Firmino and Luis Diaz like coming off the bench, which is an incredible luxury to have. And so, based on current form, right? Liverpool. I mean, when's the last time they lost? I don't even remember the last time they. I don't I mean, even they, remember the last time they dropped. Before. They have at least five wins in a row in the EPL. That's crazy. Yeah, at least. Um, I don't know how many more, but they have at least that. Yeah. Um, this this is a team that's like you know they're they're the hunters right and it feels like the city are you know the hunted right now because city you know they they they, they drop in points and, and, but the thing is with Liverpool is like you know can they minimize you know mistakes at the back um, I think um, the game at Watford it wasn't perfect they got the job done but you know they gave Watford some opportunities to maybe get on the score sheet and so I think. If they could just, you know, minimize those kinds of individual errors, which I think they will do because Liverpool is, you know, they're a team that seems to, you know, not, you know, spurs it at, at the, <laughs> in a big stage. And so for that reason, I think I honestly like Liverpool's chances at taking it. And and honestly, and, and, and them playing at the Etihad, I don't give any stock to playing at the Etihad because it's so quiet anyways. Like, that's yeah. like kind of a fake home field advantage to be honest yeah the Etihad is definitely not like you know a vicious like you know stadium to like you know play in as like a as an away team you know not like to the level of like you know Anfield or you know Stanford Bridge even Old Trafford I would say um the Etihad's kind of like you know it's kind of a lukewarm vibe so um, I, I actually like Liverpool, and I think Liverpool's going to take the game. 
I mean, I think I think you made the key point of Liverpool has a plethora of options up front, and that's a luxury that City no longer has. It's something that City actually did have right for several years um, in in the last in, in recent memory even, but this right now that's not something that they have and. You know, you can really look to the the Champions League games that they played yesterday, right? Liverpool, they both won, but the way that they won was much, like, starkly different. Liverpool kind of just handled Benfica. They were they're pretty comfortable in that game. They were never kind of stressed or or kind of put to the test. City were were kind. Of, I don't want to say like sweating, but they were close to sweating in that game against against Atletico. Um, and I think like just those games show it all between the two teams. Like what kind of form that they're in, um, what kind of both like mentally and physically. Um, and so I, I I'm with you that I, I think I think this is kind of Liverpool's season to take. Um, they they just need to go out and grab it, and I think they will. I think they will. the The amount of firepower that they have, and um, there's just just the the solidness that they have behind them is, I I I don't I don't really think City's in in any form to to beat a Liverpool team that that's as hot as hot as they are right now. Yeah, like I think <clears throat> I think even now, like um. Liverpool's scored more goals than City for the campaign. Um, City is City still lacks that, like you know, and of course because Pep's such a genius manager, like yeah, in his tactics, like he can make things work without a true striker. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, that might be the piece that really they're missing, that like is separating them from invincibility at this point. Um, sure. And so, you know. And to the contrary, Liverpool, that's what they have plenty of options, right? You know, and so the the luxury of just, you know, playing, you know, Salah and, and Mane and then seeing if one of them's having an off day just to bring in, like, Jota is, like... Insane. And Diaz, like, that's So insane, much man. quality. That's insane. Like, so it's crazy. I think Diaz is, like, the one, you know... Um, uh, uh, window signing that they made that I think has like solidified their you know push massive uh, like he he has he has really you know made them a better team and much deeper and they've looked lethal in just about every you know game since and yeah. yep. they might even have a shot to win the Champions League this year yeah um, because I mean, I mean they're definitely getting out of the quarterfinals. I mean, the semis. It's looking like it's going to be Madrid, right? It's good. It's looking like it's going to be Madrid. It's looking like it's going to be City, um, Liverpool. And who was the other team again? I mean, Villarreal played lights out today, but they did. You got to think at uh, at Munich. Bayern's gonna come. That's what I would you have imagine. to like. You have to think like above fifty percent chance that they come back. Oh yeah, don't you think? I think so. Um, 
Yeah, and the thing is, it's like it's so tragic because I I, I watched the highlights for for this one. Villarreal like had a lot of opportunities to really widen this gap, and I think they're gonna kick themselves for not doing it. Mm. Um, today was a game where I could have seen Villarreal coming out on top three nothing, four nothing. Like they had a lot of chances um, that were just whether it's woodwork, whether it's just, you know, just, like, yanking shots. Like, if they got out of this, right, 3 nothing, 4 nothing, I think at that point I would say, okay, even for Bayern, that's hard. That's hard. And and you got to think a, a, a club of Villarreal stature can at least tactically form themselves to stop them from getting blown out. Yep. You know, if they have room, if they've got the leeway to make to lose one nothing, even two nothing, right? If you're if you're a, a club that's as good as them, you could at least tactically arrange yourself to concede conservatively. <laughs> but with one nothing, er, yeah, <laughs> not y'all enough. Are not, y'all it's not, not enough. enough. And I think I think I think VRL is really going to regret. You know, like it, it's one of those games where like they. As soon as the final whistle is blown, you're like, oh my god, I'm so happy we won. And then you go home and think about, like, damn, we're going to go to Munich, and we're only at 1-0. Yeah. I don't like this. It's it's not comfortable at all. Um, so, I mean, so hypothetically speaking, then, a, a semifinals of, you know, Bayern, Man City, Real, Liverpool. I mean, obviously, competition is super tight, and... Despite, you know, Benzema playing out of his mind, Real's probably the team that all the other three teams will want to face. Um, just because, you know, the other three teams are just so strong. But I could see Liverpool beating any of those. You know, Bayern's had, like, you know, Bayern's had a couple of meltdowns, you know, this season. They're not as invincible, right? And so I've we've seen upsets happen to them. I mean, today's a good example. So... Um, Liverpool has a chance to win this whole thing and I really like their chances because they're looking like a really solid team and again as long as they can reduce you know errors at the back and which is like I said they seem to be able to do because they're not they're 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 a team that can play at the big stage and they've got a good squad of players with like that are not like you know they don't have attitude issues they don't have like you know mental issues or anything like that. So um, I, I really like their chances to win the league. I like their chances to win the Champions League too. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, but let, let's close out um, with um, some baseball. Tomorrow's opening day. And interesting format for the playoffs this season. So in the past, as you know, it's... You have two wild card spots. Wild cards do get out in a one game. You know, this it was just like which I always thought was so uncharacteristic of MLB baseball right. to put any kind of format in a playoffs where it's like a one game decider. Like <laughs> it's kind of barbaric, I thought, because first of all, this is a game this is a season that's 162 games long. 
Y'all couldn't even make it like a best of three. <laughs> make it like a like just like a one game to just decide. Oh, it's a little bit cruel, I think, right? It's like, but um, this season it's gonna be right. So so, uh, each three divisions in the American League and National League rank those teams one to the the number one seeds in each division from, uh, by wins. Seed them one to three. Okay. Teams one and two get a bye. Team three is going to go into a wild card round where the, that, that third place team and the next three now, – now there's going to be three wild card spots basically. And so three wild card spots and the third place um, or, or the third best uh, division leader kind of like they pair off into – uh, a th- best of three wild card series. Okay. So it's kind of like an NFL format, right? Where you you kind of have basically six seeds, six teams per uh, per league. Yep. And where bottom four, you know, face off, and then they get to meet, you know, the top, the top two seeds in the right. next round. Right. Right. And it's going to be interesting because, first of all, like. The concept of buys is, has, has not really been a thing. I mean, I guess you can say like the other three division leaders outside of the two wild cards they get a buy, but it's like it's like one day, right? It's like one game, sure. and and then you, it's it's right on to like you know the season continues. But right. now it's it's going to be a best of three series, so these teams are going to like have like this like awkward like week long break where they don't do anything, and. Baseball is like it's a game where like you know like consistency and like you know matters a lot and yep l- like the fatigue matters less. I mean, of course, you know when you're talking about pitching rotations, you know uh, the fatigue of course matters and uh, in terms of like you know who you can start. And I'm sure like coming out of the wild card series, the wild card teams are going to use their best pitchers in those three games, and so whoever makes it out. Um, out of that series and gets to play, you know, in the division series, they're not going to be able to start their best pitchers. Probably, they're going to probably start like you know, like you know, maybe a fourth or third option, and then try to like ease their aces back in. Um, and so there is an advantage there, but with the offense, these guys are not going to be seeing, you know, they're not going to be able to get swings in for like a week, right? And so, like, what does that do for? Um, does that actually give a disadvantage for for offensive players of of the higher seeds? And so this is like this first time they're trying it this season, and I think it's going to be a little bit interesting. Um, and uh, and also with the best of three series, this is not like a like higher seed gets two games and then lower seed gets one. It's higher seed gets all three games, mm-hmm. <laughs> home field advantage, right? Which is like you know, it's just freaking huge. Yeah, and and so it, it feels like you know th- there's a lot of like potential. Like I can see like ooh, I, I don't know if this is like the, the parody. I'm not sure is like hundred percent there, but obviously you know introduces more spots. I honestly feel like you know the MLB looked at the AL East and they were kind of like, yeah, um, <laughs> this is like kind of cruel. It's like the fourth place team in the AL East because. Any of these teams might be deserving of the playoffs. Well, um, I mean, you would say both 
like the the weaker two teams there would be the Rays and the Red Sox, right? They'd be like three and four. I would say the Yankees and the Red Sox, man. Uh, really? I, I I'm not I'm not completely sold on the Yankees. I'm not. I'm really not. Damn. You know, you know five thirty eight. Five thirty eight would would suggest differently. Just <laughs> just FYI, five thirty eight has the Yankees as the third team. On the race. Everybody sleeps on the Rays. Everybody, because here's the problem: it happens every every year. And and and, and I and I've decided since a couple of years ago that you're not going to. Not you're done. You're done. <laughs> the Rays always come out with some kind of pitching depth, and like they like bring these guys in from like Double A ball, and they just like they just have like sub three ERA like seasons, and you're like, who the hell are these guys? And and. Their pitching always ends up being like amazing, right? right. Like it's they're a really well run franchise that is like tragically like you know their Achilles heel is that they just have no fans. Like yeah. it's 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 honestly tragic. But um, okay, so that let, let's yeah. say it's the Yankees and the Red Sox, right? Who are three and four? Are they worse than the Twins? Honestly, I can I can see all four all like I can see the AL shaking up so that it's um, the number one seed from the east and uh, from the west and the central, and then all four other teams right. coming from the AL. Right? Yeah, that's it's what, possible. Right? It's possible. Actually, you know what's funny? Uh, Five thirty-eight is actually projecting that right now. Because if you yeah. look, they have the Red Sox projected fourth in the AL East, and they have a higher percentage of making the playoffs than the the second team in the Central and the West. Yep. The thing with the Red Sox is that they've added they've added Trevor Story, who is like huge. I mean, like he was an amazing player for um, Colorado. I don't think he's going to play shortstop because I think Bogart's still going to play shortstop for. Uh, the Red Sox, but he's still going to play second base, mm-hmm. and um, he's he's a really good bat to have. Um, Red Sox still have you know Raphael Devers, who's who was insanely clutch for them um, last last year. I mean, don't forget this is a Red Sox team that out of nowhere just made it to like to made it to the AL, made it to the ALCS and gave the Rock uh, gave the Rockets or not the Rockets the Astros a run for their money, and so the Red Sox. The only problem with them is really their starting pitching. I mean, they're gonna have they're gonna be missing their ace, um, Chris Sale, for the first two months of the season. So that kind of sucks. And then their their staff is just a little bit, you know. They they definitely have like the weakest starting pitching out of all four uh, all out of the all four like you know teams the AL East. But the Red Sox like they've added enough pieces for us to like reevaluate and take a step back and say. Well, this is a team that made it to the ALCS. Like, what is so much worse about it this year? Like, why do we not see them making it back again? And so, um, it's kind of like the Giants. Like, the Giants last year had an amazing season, and people were like, you know, how do, how did they manage this? And then this year, they're kind of saying, well, like, you know, they managed it last year. I mean, well, what's kind of the difference this time? And right. people are saying, like, you know, well, the Red Sox and the Giants, they just had a really good season, and it happens sometimes in baseball. Like, a team just comes out of nowhere, and they, like, you know, they just everybody slightly overperforms, and then what that leads to is like a really good season. And so uh, I think a lot of people think the Red Sox are going to come back down to earth, but they added pieces, and arguably they might even be better on paper than they were last year. And so 
you know, who knows what's going to happen. So I can see all four teams, you know, coming out of the AL East. And, you know, it would be so funny because I don't think anybody would be surprised if that happened. Because that's literally the story of the AL East in, you know, for the last 10 years at least uh, that I've right. watched. 20 years, I can even say almost. So, but yeah, I think um, it's going to be an interesting season. You know, more playoff spots to, you know, fight for for both sides. Does that mean we're going to see more ambitious activity at the trade deadline? You know, I think it's, I think it's like, what kind of impact is it going to have? Because I think, you know, for baseball, especially, you know, like that's like been a part, like that's kind of been a unique aspect, you know, of, of the game is that baseball, unlike the other major sports, it's a lot harder to get into the postseason, right? And so, you know, if you expand that, I'm sure, you know, um, you know, a lot of these franchises, they're, they're, they're going to take a different approach, especially like, you know, the AL East, because it, it almost seems to say that like, oh my gosh, like there's just enough room for all of us. Rep, right. Yep. And so like, it, it definitely seems to like, you know, be like that, like critical point, like you know, where they added just enough seats for people to feel a little bit comfortable. So I, I, I I think it's going to be a little bit interesting for sure. So then, um, it, I, it, is there a prohibitive favorite this year? Like, is it is it just the Dodgers and the Braves? Again? No. No. I don't think so. I I, th- I, I have the Blue Jays winning it this year. I have the Blue Jays winning it this year. This is this is just a little Jays. this is just a little bias. Really it's not just a little bias. I'll tell you why. This is a Blue Jays team that got 91 wins, and they they got they had 91 wins. And last year, because of COVID, they couldn't they didn't have a home stadium to play in. They had to play in Florida for like like Florida was their de facto home season, like home stadium, which is like not even a home stadium at all. And so they played it like they. They played 116 away games, basically. They played two-thirds of the season in an away stadium. So that's number one. And number two is that this team got even better from last time. And because they lost they, they lost to Sion winner Robbie Ray. Admittedly, that sucks, you know, but they replaced him with two pieces. One of them, Kevin Gosman, who is arguably even better because, you know. Robbie Ray, like, you know, he, he won the Cyan, but he kind of came out of nowhere to win it. So you never know if he's going to be, you know, exact. Like, most people are probably projecting he's not going to be that good, right? And so they brought in a piece that, you know, I think on paper is slightly better than him. And they also brought in another starting pitcher for, from the Mariners. Uh, and he's also solid rotation options. So, so their starting pitching is figured out arguably even better than last year. Their bullpen. Their bullpen last year cost them so many games. Like their bullpen was like, like league leading in being not clutch. They blew so many games. Like, and, and that's where they lost so many of those games. That, and, and it was something that was addressed halfway through the season. And so they, and so what happened was the Blue Jays made an extremely strong push towards the end of the season because they solved those bullpen problems. And they were just short of making it into the playoffs. And everybody in the wild card race was saying, you know, the Blue Jays are the most terrifying team in the American League right now. 
Nobody wants to play them right now. And and it was just so fortunate that they just missed it for everybody in the American League. And so now they're coming back. And by the way, their offense is fueled by Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who is like, I don't know, like 21 years old. Like their entire offensive lineup is like they're kids. And they're just getting better every year. So offense is getting better because they're maturing. Starting pitching, they've like slightly improved, I think, what was already like a good enough rotation. And then the bullpen, they're using what is uh, remaining of you know the, the the second the latter half of the season when the bullpen was much improved. So this team basically has no weakness. It has no weaknesses. And so what's going to happen? is in the regular season, you're going to see a lot of blowout wins. You're just going to annihilate teams because this team, still at the very core, this is an offense-driven team. They're going to annihilate teams left and right. I think they're a lock for the first seed. Like You can you can put that in the books. Are they going to beat the Dodgers and the Braves? The Braves, I think, the Braves are going to be a good team. I think the Braves are going to be a good team. And then the Dodgers, they, they, they just spend so much money. So I think it's going to be close. I have the Jays winning it all because I don't see any weaknesses for their team. I don't see any weaknesses. The Braves, I'm not sure because they replaced Freddie Freeman with Matt Wilson, and I'm not sure because Freddie Freeman is he's an MVP caliber player, and they they moved him out. So you know, and Olson's a and Olson's a good player, but he's not he's not Freddie Freeman. And and where did so, Freddie Freeman go? I think he went to the Dodgers or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and, and Dodgers are in there, but. Dodgers lost Max Scherzer, right? They lost Max Scherzer. So um, I think the Mets are going to be like, like, can the Braves even like take out the Mets? I'm not sure. Like the Mets are looking good, and I mean, unless they like Mets themselves, like they will. Um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised, but it, unless something like that happens, you know. Uh, I, I'm I interested. Think, I think, I'm, I'm interested to see how this how this shakes out because I'll I'll tell you, Andy, while you while you're giving your spiel on the the Blue Jays. I looked at 10 different websites, and I only found one power ranking, the Blue Jays, number one. Well, 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 well because with the Blue Jays, right, like, like, first of all, people don't really, like, like, know a lot of the narrative, you know, behind, you know, what, what, what really transpired in that 91-win season. Because there were a lot of complicated things with the Blue Jays last year. The 91 win season is like for so many reasons is truly a misrepresentation of how good they were last year and the fact that you know they improved on that squad this year they're gonna win 100 games at least i mean i will say i will say that i am seeing a lot of blue jays at number two above you know, the Braves, the Astros, whoever. And I will also say that a lot of them are saying what you're saying. That it's a team without weakness. It's a team without it's, weakness. It's a team without weakness. It's a team without weakness and it's a team with a lot of upside. Because because the offense at the end of the day, they're young. They were young last year. They're only gonna get better. They're only gonna get better. And so, um, Super exciting, you know. I think I think what it holds, I, because contrast that to you know a team like the Mets, you know, 
they're like hinging on Max Scherzer working out. They they like shelled out a lot of dough for him. A lot of right? money, yeah, yeah. Dodgers, you know, hinging on his Clayton Kershaw, like you know, as he gets up in age, is he still <sighs> going to be able to put in? You know, a quality performance. How is he going to be in the postseason? That's all. Last all this time. <laughs> and what's what's going on with Trevor Bauer? Is he even going to play in the like MLB? Like, is he is he is his or his legal troubles going to catch up to him? Like, like what's you know what's going on with the Dodgers too? I mean, I'm sure they're going to spend a lot of money, and I'm saying that they're not going to be good. But you know, I, I think the Jays are the ones looking like no true weakness, high ceiling or a high floor. An even higher ceiling, and so for that reason, yeah, I got the I got the Jays winning it all. Nothing to do with my homers. Okay. <laughs> if you say so. Nothing to do with the homers. <laughs> Nothing to do with the homers. But uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's it. I think this is a good good point to uh, wrap uh, uh, wrap up uh, today's podcast. Yeah, I think we're good. Um, but uh, any anything else to add? No, uh, no, nothing else. I think this was good. Um, next week we're gonna. I'm going to try to get um, a college football expert, so to speak, um, on the show as a, as a guest so we can talk a little bit about, about the NFL draft, which is coming up at the, at the end of the month. Um, and I hope, I hope to kind of frequently showcase um, some guests. Uh, as subject matter experts on the on the podcast, so so that we can do a little bit of learning, and you know we can get some um, some additional hot takes that maybe we couldn't come up with. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, we we got to get we got to get the experts in. I mean, without that, it wouldn't be a hundred and eleven percent, right? So, uh, but anyways, um, this was a, a keep it a hundred and eleven. Um, Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See ya. Peace.